Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hi dancers, welcome back to Conversations with the Pros. Today I am chatting with dancer Melissa Chapsky. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm doing well, and you? Good, I'm good. Thanks for joining me today. Sure, it's a pleasure to be with you. I'd love for you to give us an introduction, uh, not only where you're dancing now, but a little bit about your journey. I know you are originally from Boston, but you studied quite a bit with Ellison in New York. Um, love Ellison's training, by the way. Uh, so talk to me a little bit about your journey. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, as you said, I'm originally from a small town outside of Boston. Um, headed on to Ellison Ballet in New York for about, I was there for about two and a half years. Um, and after that, I started my professional career, but I still returned back to Ellison every summer because it was just a really great environment for me to continue my growth in. Um, I moved overseas and I moved to Amsterdam. I started working in the junior company there for two years. Um, and I moved on to the main company where I danced also for several years. And then I headed on to Munich where I am now. Um, and I dance for the State Ballet of Bavaria, which is like in the south of Germany for anyone that doesn't know. Um, aside from that, during my pre-professional to professional career, I did a couple of international ballet competitions, um, two of which I was at Ellison while I was training for those. Um, yeah, that's pretty much my dance career. Is there something else I should add? <laughs> no, it's perfect. But I definitely am going to break down a little bit to ask some questions within that. Uh, so you went abroad at a pretty young age, or am I wrong about that? I was 18. Yeah, when I moved to Amsterdam. Yeah, that's pretty young to basically be on your own. Although were you on were you somewhat on your own when you moved to New York to study over at Ellison? I was on my own. Um... I didn't have any family living with me the first year I lived in the dorms with like probably around 11 other people. Mm -hmm. um, and the second year, since I got to know everybody, uh, I found an apartment with two other girls. And mm -hmm. so that worked out well for us. I mean, Ellison always was like a super loving environment and we really all got along as family. I guess you can really call that luck because I don't know if that happens anywhere else, but for us, mm -hmm. it was a really great, yeah, support yeah. group. Yeah, that's great. That is very helpful when you are young, 16, 17, living in New York City, a big city by yourself. Um, now, having had that experience, I guess, helped you when you eventually did go abroad. But talk to us a little bit about that shift, you know, having to pretty much submerge yourself in a new culture. I am curious to hear how it was in regards to putting yourself in a new culture. And then I kind of want to hear about like your how 
you dealt with the um, new cuisines, new foods, and learning how to feel your body differently being in a new place versus being in the U.S.? Sure. Um, so when I moved across the ocean, I lived with one other girl that I became best friends with, which I guess is also quite lucky. Mm -hmm. uh, but definitely different than like a dorm environment or living with a lot of people because like we had our own apartment, which I did the last year of Ellison, but it was still very close to the school. But again, like Holland is a very safe country. Everyone mm -hmm. has bikes. It's very like the the um, area that I lived in was very residential. So I really didn't feel nervous about anything. And um, adjusting was okay because the junior company was just 12 of us and we were all quite new to each other. So we didn't really have a choice because we were gonna be together all day long. We had to adjust to each other and we had to learn to deal with each other because these were, these were the people you're gonna be dealing with. That's it, there's no one else. I mean, we did work with the main company every so often, but the junior company was really all 12 people together all the time. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the cuisine, I mean, maybe some people would beg to differ, but for me, like Dutch doesn't really have a strong cuisine. Mm. There's nothing like German culture is different because they really have their like strong German foods with a lot of lard and fried stuff and cheese and meats and whatever. But Holland was kind of just like a mix of things. And right now I think it's a very young, um, young living space. So mm -hmm. they want a lot of trendy bars and cafes. And I don't know, there's a lot of options because it's just like a very diverse city at the moment, I think. Yeah. Was it ever challenging though to, uh, you know, fuel your body as being young, being on your own? having to navigate a new, not just a new space, but a new country? Or were you able to more kind of just go with the flow and were you able to figure things out? Well, personally for me at a young age, and maybe it was because I had those two years in New York, which is like a crazy loud city. Um, I was always that friend or like that girl in the group that was like, oh my God, let's do this or let's go like, one in the morning get a milkshake or whatever so at a young age i was really like crazy with food and i loved in new york trying all the new things and going out and then amsterdam it kind of just continued on and that was also like kind of humorous for everyone around because i was always like oh my god there's like a cool restaurant over there let's go try it out so at a young age i i never had any issues with fueling my body i i definitely ate probably more than i even needed to but it was yeah, it was okay. Yeah, yeah. Well, I love hearing that you had a love for food and you were able to continue that and embrace that because there's no doubt that when dancers get to that pre-professional and then of course in your shoes, that professional uh, level, um, a lot can come into play in regards to having a challenged relationship with food. Doesn't sound like that existed for you, which is incredible. Um, and I hope younger dancers can, you know, think about that and think about how they can go to these new cultures and these new places and embrace the differences, embrace the opportunities when it comes to food, instead of being like shameful or guilty about wanting to try all those new adventures and so forth. Um, so my next question for you, was there a specific time? It sounds like in general, you had a very uh, open minded uh, relationship with food in regards to wanting to try new things? Was there ever a time that you 
connected the dots into like how I was fueling my body, whether that be like consistently throughout the day, needing to pack snacks, needing to have my meals, uh, you know, making sure you're making time for those meals. Was there ever a time in your training where you were like, okay, this is important. Like I need to fuel my body in order to be able to keep up with the intense schedule that I'm experiencing now at this level of dance. Right. Um, I think during my time at Ellison, things were obviously very strenuous. And when I got there, it was like my first time being in a ballet school where I had training all day instead of like <laughs> academics and then some training or a day off or whatever. Like Ellison was really full on. So yeah. I wake up in the morning. I need to make sure I have enough food to get me through the day, bring plenty of snacks because my legs won't even get me somewhere to get a snack at 1.30 when I have a small break. Yeah. And then at the end of the day, I always made sure that I had enough to fuel me because, and like sometimes that was even electrolytes or whatever, depending on how heavy we really were working. Like also depending on repertoire, because if something wasn't as hard, but it was still a lot of work, then okay, maybe you're not so sore, but another piece, I don't know what it is, some contemporary creation, maybe it's really strenuous. And that's mm -hmm. another thing that you have to like really look out for sore muscles or injury or whatever. Um, that kind of continued on to junior company because I was also really busy then. Like we had our own program. We worked with the main company. We were doing different productions with the main company. And that, that was actually the busiest time of my life. So that was like, Anytime you weren't dancing, make sure you're eating and drinking electrolytes and whatever you need to keep up because we were just like exhausted because it was a lot of work. After junior company, it was like my first year in a main company. And that's where things really changed for me because the first year in a big main company, there was not much for me to do at all. Maybe I was learning something. Maybe I had one rehearsal a day, but then I started realizing like, oh, like, maybe my body's changing or I don't need as much fuel as I did before or sleep as I did before. And then I started thinking like, okay, I need to adapt to this new lifestyle because this is really different than anything I've ever experienced within my dance career. As a dietitian, what I do with the dancers that I work with is educate about intuitive eating. Intuitive eating is basically this non-restrictive approach where we learn how to fuel our body based on our cues. Uh, the general idea of it, although this is an oversimplified de definition of it, but I'll tell you why I'm talking about this real quick, is, you know, we learn about our hunger cues, we learn about our fullness cues, we learn about our satisfaction cues. But the thing is, for especially younger dancers who are in pre-professional programs or second companies, like you said, whose schedules are insane, you don't really have the time during the day for your legs to even get you to a place to get a meal or a snack. Intuitive eating is not necessarily the goal because dancers have to have what you described as a very proactive approach, making sure that they're thinking ahead, thinking, do I have enough snacks to get me through the day? Do I have meals planned uh, so that I'm not falling into a pattern of going from class to rehearsal to performance without having enough fuel for myself. And then there's this shift, right? When you get into what you experience getting into the a professional world, having actually a less intense schedule, at least in the beginning, um, and needing to realize, you know what, now I have a little bit more time. Can I tune into my intuitive feelings of hunger and fullness instead of that becoming from a place of, should I be restricting the amount that I'm eating? 
can I actually now listen and hear my cues, my hunger cues and my fullness cues? Now you have the time perhaps to sit down and experience more mindful eating experience rather than it being so on autopilot. Yeah. So that's just a, a little difference that I like to explain for dancers because there's no right or wrong way. It's just a matter of what fits and works best with your current schedule. And that's another thing that I think can be really confusing about like stepping into this professional world is like, you're in such a big company and you see so many different things happening around you and you have to think like, oh, she's doing this. Oh, maybe I need to do this too. Or uh, like, you're still really young, so you're not sure. But eventually like something that helped me a lot, which took a lot of time and practice was like, I'm Melissa, I'm myself. What works for me doesn't work for anyone else. And if you look at like in the past at Ellison, the corrections I get, maybe some girls get them, maybe some don't. The way that I develop is, unique to myself it's it's really individual you can't follow what other people are doing because we're we're all ourselves absolutely what a good point point. and i love how you're relating that to corrections in class at the end of the day even with food every dancer their needs are different and what tends to happen especially whether it's more in the pre-professional realm when you're with those dancers 24 7 um, or perhaps in the professional world the comparative thoughts that trickle in inside the studio, especially around mealtimes, especially, especially around food, can become overwhelming. And it's so important for a dancer to put their blinders on, in an essence, and remember, like you said, I'm Melissa, this is what I need. Yeah. Um, and again, like your question of do you think it's more pre-professional or professional, like that, I would say I can't even answer because everyone's so different that maybe somebody has been dancing since they're 11 and they start having weird feelings when they're 15. Or for example, me, I only started attending Ellison when I was 16. Hmm. So I was kind of in this like euphoric New York City phase. And I was like, this is great. I love life. Like nothing's yes. wrong. Um, but yeah, I guess the other thing that's important to realize too is like people off, or dancers often tend to think that the problem comes from within themselves, but it could also be that you're in the wrong environment too. Like, mm -hmm. for example, if you feel stuck and you feel down for so long and you're really trying to work on yourself and focus on balance and what's best for you, and then you think, huh, maybe I need to change something. And you move to a different school, a different company, a different summer program, whatever. Sometimes that can really work out to your benefit in the end because you didn't realize that like just being in some other form of environment is just better like it's it's even hard to explain because there aren't any specifics just like the ideals of other people the ideals of the company the work schedule the repertoire like anything could affect that that feeling of change mm -hmm. yeah i think that is such a great point a lot of dancers don't really want to hear that and it's a very important thing to have to hear in regards to it is hard. It's scary, too, because sometimes when we are in an environment that might not be the best environment for us, it's hard to see while you're in it. And um, a lot of dancers, like you said, could feel, well, maybe it's me. Like, I'm the one that has to change. I should be changing my food habits. I should be exemplifying more control around food. Or, you know, we, this is where we see a lot with disordered eating being born. Um, very often it has to, it has a lot to do with the environment and sometimes changing that environment, whether you are a student or a professional could be that major factor that can play a huge role in um, pushing you forward and into where you want to go with your goals. For sure. 
And I think it's also tricky because at that point, your confidence, you know, isn't the highest, like, you're definitely feeling lower about yourself. So you're like, how am I going to get myself out there and show the dancer that I want to be when I'm having these feelings. So that's why I talked about like, going into yourself and thinking like, what's important for me? What do I value in ballet? What do I value in life? How can I feel balanced to get the most out of myself and fulfill myself? Like, is this meant for me? Is this not? Or what am I really looking to dance or not to dance? A lot of dancers had to make these decisions when COVID hit already two years ago. I am curious how your experience was with COVID. You were abroad. So did you come back for that time? So actually, it was a really complicated time for me because I had just decided that I was going to make my move to Munich. Mm. Um, and everything was all set to go. And then the borders closed like days before I was supposed to move here. And I was, I had to stay in Amsterdam and I was nervous because I was coming to a new company and I wanted to show my best and I didn't know it was going to happen. And right. so I was doing all kinds of things. Luckily at that point in Amsterdam, I lived uh, with one of my best friends and next door to three of my other best friends. Okay. And we were like really close. So we had all kinds of things to do. We would bike here or go here for a day trip or go outside and enjoy the sunset or lay on the balcony and tan all kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Anyway, um, it was tricky because I got here and I was like, oh my gosh, we're still not dancing. And then we had like five weeks until the season ended and we were just doing class. And then I came home for the summer because I was <laughs> like, okay, six weeks off, I'll see family. Um, and then it was like starting in Munich with pandemic ballet for the last season and a half since I've been here. Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh. So many transitions that fell all at the same time for you that must have been really challenging it was great that you had your friends with you in Amsterdam so you were able to occupy yourself keep yourself uh, not too hyper focused in ballet but actually experiencing uh, again going back to the culture experiencing more around you yeah that was definitely great and yeah. also like being being with people that you feel so close and so comfortable with like I don't know, it just makes your day go by better. Because we would wake up and for example, some days there was a Pilates class offered from our um, company's Facebook Live or something like this. Mm -hmm. And so we would come, one would come to another's apartment, we'd do it together. And then, oh, who wants to do ballet class today? Three girls do that, two don't. Like we would cook meals together, whatever. It was so great, yeah. What helped you move through that anxiety though of you know, knowing that you were starting with a new company, supposed to be starting, you know, at that exact time, the idea of getting out of shape. This is something that we hear from, from a lot of dancers. It was a huge stress on dancers in March of 2020. And of course, fluctuated, I would say throughout 2021. Um, what got you through that anxiety? Was it that you were keeping busy and keeping active? Yeah, that for me definitely was like one of the most anxious times in my whole mm -hmm. career for keeping in shape. I, I definitely agree with you. And the way, after, like through all of that stress that I was able to maintain um, sanity, I guess, yeah. was finding like a good routine and keeping balance. And I literally, I wrote like a blog on the Bavarian State Ballet website when I first joined about this, but I had to schedule and for me that, actually really helps because I like organization and I like uh, routine. 
So doing those Pilates classes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would do that, bike to the studio, which I rented and do ballet. Some people don't need to do ballet. For me, I lose things really quickly if I don't. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so like pirouettes, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and then I also made sure that I wasn't overworking. So after I would come home, I would set like 1.30 to 2.30 lunchtime or whatever it was. And then I actually did German lessons for myself, do something different. And once I got all those things done or whatever it was in the morning period, after two or after three o'clock, I would uh, meet with one of my friends and we'd go for a walk, do something chill, like have a bit of interaction. Some of us would have like game nights or dinners or whatever. Um, one time we even biked to these like cool windmills and that was really nice, like with music playing. So just like a bunch of balance and like seeing people, seeing different people, learning German really helped me because it was like a different part of the brain. Mm -hmm. Keeping busy was good, but not like killing myself busy, especially in the apartment. Like I, I have knee problems. So like jumping on wood and stuff wouldn't have benefited me in any way. Yeah, I'm similar in the sense that I thrive when I have some bit of structure in my day and organization in my day. And at the same time, it sounds like you did such a great job with, and I'm going back to that word, proactively planning um, balance in regard to learning a new language, being with friends, coming home, like that 1.30 to 2.30, giving yourself lunch. I think that that is really important, not just during the pandemic, but for dancers to take with them moving forward, because a lot of dancers who might be listening, whether they're injured, going through a period where they're away from the studio, like the holiday times can, can be a little bit tough for dancers. Um, having that structure, but also making sure that you are uh, honoring balance within. Yeah, and I think that's something honestly, that I really needed in my career, because the first five years, I was so stressed about ballet all the time mm -hmm. to do things that were like, almost like superhuman, like too much work. Yeah. And once the pandemic hit, we were all forced to be like, okay, this is happening. This is what I need. For example, one month ago, I had Corona, I was in bed for 10 days. I came back and I ran Swan like the first day I was back in point mm. shoes. Like maybe that's a little bit too extreme, but I got to manage because it's been doing that for two years. Like in January, I was supposed to have my first solo premiere. It was uh, Zolma, one of the two willies in the second act of Giselle. Mm -hmm. and everything got canceled because somebody had COVID and I had been working for months and then I had like a few days to come back and prepare it for the show. So the thing is like, it really taught me that you just have to deal with what's going on. Like we've been training for years. So we have to trust our bodies. Um, they're going to do it one way or another. And in the end, it's just ballet, we're always going to do the best we can. Like we can't, we can't make ourselves do any better than that. Yeah, I'm su such great points. You know, the idea of ballet, somewhat encouraging this idea of like grind culture, like keep going, keep going, keep going, um, is something that we need to like stand back and reflect upon. Uh, is that really benefiting us or is that leading to burnout? The pandemic was the best test for that. So many dancers that I've spoken to, I started these conversations on Mar like March of 2020. And it has been incredible to hear the progress over the past two years of dancers saying exactly what you're saying, which is like, you know, ballet is great. We could take it seriously, um, but we also have to give ourselves grace. Laugh about it a little bit too. You know what I mean? Like um, make room for way more to support our emotional and our mental well-being, right? Not only about like the physicality of ballet. Right. And this thing of like, just 
fooling around with German when I was still in Amsterdam, that really helped me too, because actually this year I started doing university classes because here in this company, a lot of girls do it. Mm -hmm. And I was always like, how do they do it? What if they get stressed out? What if it's too much? But I decided to start with one class in the fall and I loved it because even if ballet was going badly or casting was badly or I felt terrible or whatever, it was like I had, I had to come home and I had to do my math homework. And that was something else that was achievable. So it was really nice to be working towards something else while I'm still pursuing ballet because like as much as we love ballet, it doesn't always love us back sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, that was something that um, was big for me as well was keeping a foot in the academic world. Obviously, as a, you know, I ended up tr professionally training for my dietetics license. But having that in addition to having ballet is really what allowed me to continue to love ballet and, and maintain that passion. For sure. Yeah. So Melissa, the final question I have for you, I ask all the dancers on here, you basically answered it, but we'll see if we can get a little bit more out of you, is um, how would you define what it means to be the healthy dancer? I guess for me, the main thing in general is balance and like keeping um, aware of how you're feeling so that if you feel unbalanced, you do something about it. You don't just become a victim of it because like I said, this um, switch of companies I had, it took like, a lot of courage, obviously, to move away from friends for this or that, whatever. But uh, in the end, it was really worth it for me because I feel much more balanced. And maybe it's also age or development or growth or whatever. But I think balance is very important to enjoy the career that we have while it lasts. Yeah. And there's no doubt about it that you have beautifully exemplified that to us in regards to maintaining balance, even while being hit with a pandemic, while he being hit with Corona yourself. I mean, it, it feels like nowadays who hasn't been. Right. Um, so <laughs> anyway, Melissa, it was a pleasure chatting with you today. I really want to thank you for joining me. Yes, you as well. Thank you for having me here.